In today's episode, we're talking about financing, getting mortgages, and busting down perceived walls. Let's go! Welcome to the Russell Westcott Podcast, helping real estate investors like you acquire the inspiration, knowledge, and skills that you need to start, grow, and scale the real estate investing portfolio of your dreams. Hey, 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 how's it going, everybody? Russell Westcott here, so sure hope you're having yourself a wonderful, wonderful day. Now, I hope I got your attention from the opening hook. Now, if you've listened to last podcast, you'll now understand that reference when I talk about the opening hook. And I hope I got your attention. So, you know, I've made the old saying, and I think I've shared this story many, many different times. One of uh, earliest people that got me started on this path of real estate said the following thing is money is required to buy real estate. But the good news is sometimes it doesn't have to be your money. You know, and the one thing is people using other people's money is sometimes the path of least resistance is the bank money, is getting the bank to finance 65, 75, 80% of the value of the property, if you truly can master the financing aspect of this game, three quarters of the entire purchase will be taken care of by getting the bank on board. So in this episode, I have the great honor and privilege to interview somebody who's been a part of the podcast before. I was a guest on their show, and Alex McFadden is a fantastic mortgage broker out in the Vancouver area, and uh, he's just carving himself out a little niche here about dealing with homeowners, dealing with investors. He focuses a lot more, you know, as we talk a little bit more, is a little bit more in the getting started side of things, you know, but he's does a wonderful job of how he puts himself out there on social media. So we talk an awful lot about financing. We talk an awful lot about, you know, how do we as investors help the mortgage brokers out? How do we, you know, get past the financing wall? And and one thing he shared with me, which was actually blew me away is they've dealt, what did they do? 750 mortgages or 750 families they've helped, but they've used over 60 different lenders. 60, 60. I was quite thoroughly blown away by that number. And it's just like, guys, if you're sitting there going, you know, the Green Bank, TD said no to me, or Royal Bank said no, man, there's 57 other lending options that you can go. I think there's potentially always other options that you can have. And that was one that we really dove into. But The one thing is probably the most thing that resonated with me on this episode that you will thoroughly love. If you've ever had that question about do you go variable rate or do you go fixed rate, we dove headfirst into that topic and it was probably one of the best answers and the clearest answers on why you should go the direction you should go as a real estate investor. Now, I'm not going to tell you which direction you should go, but I want you to make sure you highlight that part in this podcast episode or jump on to the YouTube channels and and dive into that for a visual perspective as well. Because, you know, once again, I pushed myself to try to get the visual side of the recording done to take it up to another level. So if you are more of a visual learner, as opposed to an auditory podcast learner, jump on into the YouTubes youtube.com slash Russell Westcott, and you can get that all the details in that episode there. All right, now before we dive into today's specific episode, as you know, what I like to do a little bit during the opening context and the end is I like to add a few extra th- nuggets to this. I actually like to add a few more knowledge bombs. So guys, as you know, I love myself some good personal development material. So 
hint, hint, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, make sure you pay attention to the next episode that comes next week. You, If you are in the personal development space and you love personal development, pay attention to next week's episode as we go into the deep end of the personal development pool. But here's the thing is, how deep do I go here? And I don't want to have this, you know what, potentially this could be an entire episode, is uh, many of you have probably heard me refer to Mel Robbins with the five-second rule as a fantastic book to help you move forward if you're feeling a little bit stuck. Well, anyways, Mel Robbins has just came out with another international best-selling book. It's called The High Five Habit. I picked it up on the first day, devoured it, completely listened to it. I think I'm listen number three, got the hard copy, reading it at the same time. This is my book focus for the entire month. And it's fantastic. It is, you know, in a time of maybe some upheaval and some uncertainty, it was like a warm hug, right? It was just a good warm hug from a good a friend and somebody who is just truly vulnerable and lays it on the line. And she just shares some incredible stories in there. And that's one of the things that I really enjoy and I like doing from a lot of these personal development is, first of all, I like to see myself in the story. I also watch from a standpoint of the story. Like, how is the person writing it? How do they engage in the audience? Because as you know, and I might have shared this in one of the podcast episodes before, whenever you listen to a presentation or you read a book, there's always three levels you can go. There's three levels deep you can go. Number one is you can just, on what they're saying, like exactly, you know, what the words are, exactly what the person is saying in the presentation, what the words are in the paper. That's level one is what they're saying. Level number two is how are they saying it? How are they saying it? How are they presenting it? How are they writing it? How are they creating their stories? How are they being very open and vulnerable and engaging in the audience is how they do that. And then number three is how can you take what you've learned from this and how do you implement it? How can you customize what you've done to share it with your family, share it with your friends, share it with your audience, be a leader, communicate the message to share with others. So the three levels, once again, is what are they saying? How are they saying it? And how are you going to implement it and share it and make a difference and transform others? What, how, and implement and share. Okay, so by all means, long-winded way of saying, I highly, highly recommend the High Five Habit with Mel Robbins. I'm not going to go into any more detail here on the opening of this podcast. Maybe this will be an entire episode. Okay. But before we get into today's episode, guys, make sure you're subscribed. Make sure you share the message and make sure you stick around. We have incredible guests. We have incredible amount of content material upcoming to help you keep moving forward with velocity. Okay, gang. With all that being said, please help welcome Mr. Alex McFadgen. Alex McFadden, how are you doing, my friend? How are things today? I couldn't have any more energy if I tried after that kind of an intro, Russ. I'm feeling jacked up and ready, and I can't wait for the fire, the oh, bomb. Oh, hang, oh, hang on. Hang on. Let's, should, we get, should we get it all the way really early and get some fire in there? And, and because we, we, ignite it, we ignite it, we got to have a bomb, don't we, Alex, right? <laughs> 
We are ready to go, man. I'm excited. Thanks for bringing all the energy. It makes it easy for me to match, Russ. And I'm excited to talk uh, financing, real estate investing, all that kind of fun stuff. You know how much I love that stuff, yeah. too. Yeah, well, I tell you, Alex, I was on your your guys' podcast uh, a few, it was a couple months, well, where did time go? Maybe it's about four or five months ago now. And uh, I just had a thorough blast. And I said, you know what? I need to know a little bit more about you because I think there's an awful lot you can offer, an awful lot of information that you can provide to investors. So reached out, you said yes. And uh, are you open for uh, the grilling of all the questions here today, Alex? Let's go. Are let's you go. ready? Okay, so let's get into this first. Um, one of the things I always like to do is, you know, get to know the person behind the good hair and the, the handsome looks and all the stuff that you see on Instagram and all the wonderful Instagram stories and the, the fireplace and, and all the coffees that you drink all the time. I want to get to know you a little bit better. So if somebody was sitting here, Alex, can you give us a little Cole's Notes version about where you're from, what you're all about, and what kind of led you into this uh, real estate game and particular within financing? Wow, that's a lot of different things. So let's just preface what you're talking about when you talk about coffee and fireplaces. I, you know, I don't want people to get the long, wrong impression of me here, or maybe the right impression. Oh, of sorry, I was looking at your dating. No, 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 not dating profile. You're happily married. No, I was just your Instagram. You do you do a yeah. fantastic job on your Insta stories, and you yeah. show the real life human person behind the scenes. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, we're going to talk a little bit more about social media, I believe. Uh, it was our intention later on. So I won't burst the bubble, so to speak, to start off with right now. But well, I mean, short version, Lower Mainland is where I was born and raised. I moved around quite a bit as a young teenager. Parents separated. Uh, we moved all over the place. So first and foremost, I, I think just real estate from an experiential standpoint and watching me sell, move, move, sell, move, sell. I was involved in the transactional component, just being and watching all the time. But that didn't really necessarily spark my interest for a few years. I've got a background. I went to school for film and media, believe it or not. Then I went to school for marketing management, business development, entrepreneurship. So a whole bunch of different things, which makes a whole lot of sense if you think about it from that perspective today. <laughs> but mortgage brokering wasn't something that interested me at all in the beginning. I think 2008, 2009, I played soccer with a guy and he just basically said, man, you are made for this role. You need to do this mortgage thing. Sent me a, a book, a UBC book. If anybody has read or looked at that thing, it's you know yay thick, very large, whole bunch of numbers, laws. You hardly even use any of this information in your day-to-day -day practical life. But yeah, I've got this big giant book in front of me. And long story short, I said, well, why don't we just, hey, help me buy a house right now and then let me see this experience. So used him to help me uh, purchase the home. And I realized really quickly that, you know, there was just so much there to learn. There's so much I had, didn't understand at all. And I had a lot of feedback from my perspective to him that hey, I think we could do this way better. You could do a better job at this. So, you know, fast forward, got into the industry. The first couple of years were extremely rocky. And one of the reasons for that rush is because there, at the time, believe it or not, 2010, 2011, the information wasn't necessarily nearly as accessible in our career and where we were looking for it. And you had to really search and hunt. And maybe I didn't understand where to go and what to look for at the time. So it really took a few years, Russ, before I, I really understood and, and was able to start finding my place in the industry, which happened about 2014, 15. And, and that's when things really took off, uh, was able to scale, which we'll talk about business, but was able to start growing the business, understanding that my true passion and the reason that I was able to find success is I finally figured out what I'm passionate about is educating. I really enjoy educating other people. And you've heard that before, but I found a platform in video and social media and other ways to really educate people. And I learned that that was the best way for me to learn. 
So when I started understanding to continue to educate, build, and do exactly what I'm talking about from my perspective, start talking to, to clients on a daily basis, partners, real estate agents, investors, everything of that nature, things just started blowing up. Next thing you knew, you know, I was adding a team members, growing my business, finding new clients, you know, buying more properties, and everything just started to windfall. So it's it's kind of interesting, and I know this is part of why you do this podcast. In fact, it's the only reason you do the podcast, from what I can understand, is to to give that value uh, and educate other people, which is exactly the reason that you and I are talking here today. And it's the yep. same reason that, you know, this year alone, Russ, we've helped over a thousand families from my team and and just so endlessly grateful for the people who call us back. So yep. that was my journey in a nutshell. Wow. And well done. You're a very well-spoken young man there. How old are you, Alex, if you don't mind me asking? Sure. Yeah. I wish yeah. I could say young man, but I am 36 years old. Oh, th- oh <laughs> piss posh, young, yeah. young whippersnapper. <laughs> no. Uh, so Alex, I'm trying to offer you a compliment, but I'm stumbling over my words is that you've done an awful lot in 36 years. You've just absolutely crushed it to where you are with your business right now too. So that's fantastic. And you hit the nail on the head. That's why we're wearing both the same color shirts today is because we're both cut from the same cloth. Oh, hang on, hang on. There we go. (laughs) Uh, Oh my gosh, this is so uh, good. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so when did you form your own brokerage? When did you start that? And you originally started off as the mortgage pug, wasn't it? You have your dog is in in a lot of this originally. I think that's when I first heard of you was you were going by the name of the mortgage pug, weren't you? Yeah, yeah. So 2015, a friend of mine was brainstorming with me and I was trying to separate myself from a branding perspective. She actually, funny enough, went and paid somebody like 50 bucks on Fiverr to create a little image with my dog, Ernie the Pug, saying, I can't remember what exactly what it said, but it said something, the mortgage pug on it. And she's like, well, you talk about your dog every day I see you. Everybody knows your dog more than you. Why not just make your dog the brand? And you know, it took me a few weeks before I was able to embrace it because I was like, ah, what are people going to think? You know, What if I'm working with high net worth individuals? Are they going to be able to appreciate that? A few weeks later, I just said, and I, I don't know if I can swear on your podcast here, so I won't. So I said, F it. Well, <laughs> well if you need to, we can always... We can beep it out. We can, yeah, we, we can drop a, we can drop the bleep in there if we need to. <laughs> yeah, no, I said screw it. We went all in. I went in with the pug branding, the the website, the name, the everything, you name it. And today, my Instagram account is still the Mortgage Pug. The only difference, Russ, that's changed from that time to now is the fact that I realized that in order to scale my business and grow my team and be able to have other individuals who are in fact, better than me at a lot of things, I needed to get away from Alex being the brand at all times, which is why I was able to form a partnership and create uh, Thrive Mortgage Co., which is our company today with two incredibly talented partners in Dean and Derek, who are also on our podcast and an ever-growing team. So the pug thing, man, like honestly, here's the thing, real estate investing or whatever the heck it is you're doing, you need to stand out from the crowd. You need to be yourself, be authentic, be true. I couldn't believe that anymore. If you're if you're watching the videos, you can see pugs and I don't know if you can see them. There's, there's pugs everywhere in my background yeah. today. It's still a part of who I am day to day. Then that's what you were talking about, the fireplace, by the way, it's my pugs in front of the fire. <laughs> Not me. Yeah. Yeah. Real estate isn't the most exciting thing for everyone, especially mortgages. Right. It's like that home is sexy. That cash flow is sexy. But all the other parts in between, a lot of people don't find interesting. Right. And so the dog was a way for me to bring some laughter to the whole thing and and make it funny and and have fun with it. Because if you can't have fun, why do it? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, you're just taking a page out of 
this may be a, a very divisive person I'm going to mention here, but Don Cherry with his Blue the Dog. Or or we're out on the West Coast and people on the West Coast would know uh, the King of Floors and Sir Scruffy, where he was always in all the ads on there as well. And I tell you, some of the most impressive Instagram accounts, I don't know if you follow Mr. Bentley. Do you know who Mr. Bentley? Yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. The flying dog, the helicopter dog. Yeah, of course. My dog gets more action on my on Instagram than I do. And Mr. Bentley with his millions of followers, he was he was actually at Whistler like a couple of weeks ago, and I guarantee they got that room comped, and they were just featuring Mr. Bentley in the beds and Mr. Bentley everywhere, and he's like a celebrity. It's like, man, good on you, 100% endorsed doing that, making it real, standing out from everybody else. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah I got to get Ernie to step it up a little bit because I'm not getting comped rooms, you know. <laughs> well, yeah, that's what I've I keep telling my dog. I say, "Come on, Scooby, let's get the act together here. We got to get we got to start getting some freebies here." <laughs> but he's good at laying down, rolling over, and getting a belly rub. But I'm, it's not too exciting sometimes. <laughs> hey, so, um, Alex, I know the majority of my audience will be real estate investors, and I know you deal with some real estate investors, uh, quite a few, as a matter of fact. What percentage ballpark of your clientele, and it doesn't have to be exact, but what do you, would you percentage of out of a scale, like one to 10 would be people looking for investment properties? Yeah, I mean, definitely has evolved in the last couple of years. Uh, now, I couldn't give you an exact statistic. I'd probably give you some rough numbers, but here's a, maybe something more interesting. One of our goals as part of our company is to help our clients create wealth through real estate. And there's a few different ways that you can do that. Obviously, not everyone wants to invest in real estate per se. But when you own a home, you are investing in real estate. So whether it's your home or multiple properties or otherwise. So our primary objective is to teach our clients how to create wealth through owning multiple pieces of real estate or just leveraging their own. So that question, I think, has evolved. And I'll give the best direct answer I could give you is I'd guess that at least one in four of our clients owns multiple properties. But with our continuous focus on education over the last two and a half years since we've set that mandate, we've been seeing more and more and more and more of our existing clientele join, obviously, our side, so to speak, the light side or the dark side, I guess, if you're wearing black shirts like us, and really realize the power of, of investing, that it's not something that is a pipe dream, that it is something you can do. And there's so many opportunities. So while I would say one in four, I would say that is probably where we're at right now. I think that number will continue to grow. And the most interesting thing, Russ, to me, is that it's a whole bunch of people that we've worked with in the past that listen and hear what we have to say and the way that we strategize and conversate on different items throughout the lending process, that's opened their eyes to what they can do. I hope yeah. that puts perspective in place. Oh, absolutely. Well, well, most people, you know, if you look at it properly, the home that you have and the mortgage that you have potentially is a tool that you can use to leverage to get other assets. Like if you've, you know, we're out on the West Coast, if you've owned a house in the out on the West Coast for the last 10 years, you arguably could put like six, $700,000 of equity into the tank. And a lot of people are sitting there going, okay, what do I do with that money that's sitting there? It's a tool. How do I use it? Let me talk to my good friend, Alex, about how I can leverage this to maybe get another property. Yeah, I mean, if, at the end of the day, it's like everybody listening to this knows because most of the people listening to this are, have a, an interest in, in real estate investing. But what other asset can you leverage against at this kind of a cost? Nothing. Name anything. Your business, your stocks, other investments, nothing can be leveraged the way that real estate can be at this low of capital this easily. So I think realistically, the way that I look at it is if you're not considering how you can leverage the equity, you've got a dead asset and it's actually losing you money from my perspective. And I yeah. imagine probably many others. 
Well, especially with interest rates being in, you know, in some cases, sub 2%. If you can't find a return that gets you higher than 2% on that, then you're really doing something wrong. I get to the point, Russ, I get so passionate. I'm like, guys, like, look, I don't care what you do with your money. Just do something because otherwise, I mean, again, the banks are winning. And as much as I love banks for a tool and from that perspective, they should not be where you're going to get your education. And you shouldn't be giving them any more billions of dollars than they already have at this point right now. They'll be okay. Yeah. As a matter of fact, most bank people that you're going to talk to, like the bank people that you talk to, probably know less than majority of the people coming to them. If somebody just subscribes to my podcast, subscribes to your podcast, you probably know more than most of the people you're going to talk to in the banks, the education-wise, yep. right? Yep, yep. So before we started, it's, you know, shame on me, I should have had the record button going. We dropped some so much gold and bombs in the beginning here before we even started. You were mentioning about conversations you have, like you had a typical conversation just recently with a client that came through your door. Why don't you fill in the listeners on how that went and, you know, the advice that you give? And I know you're not a financial planner. Even And you don't even pretend to play one on television, right? But uh, why don't you walk somebody through what happens when somebody calls you up and they're looking for a little bit of, and I'm using advice and air quotes here. Yeah. I mean, and just to clarify that we're on the same page here, I, I mean, you're referring to my distinction of what we do. Is that right, Russ? Yes, correct. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, there's a lot of things that we do in our first phone call. So I'll fast forward a little bit. Once we get past a, a basic understanding as to where someone is, well, I shouldn't say we should get past that. We really need to get a picture as to where you are today. That's a very important part of the picture. You know, we really try to, first of all, analyze the client's existing situation, their income, their assets, their equity, what their existing situation is. And we call it an equity analysis. But in our initial conversation, you know, once we found out that this client is interested in buying or owning multiple pieces of real estate, one thing I do need to make clear to my client is I am your mortgage advisor. Like we're here to help strategize, build a, a financial plan and for you to trust to put those tools in place and give you the right advice so that you can do step two, three, four, five, or seven of your plan or your strategy. Now I invest in real estate. I'm passionate about investing in real estate. And I talk to guys like you and interview guys like you on the podcast. So I understand it. But I do explain to my clients that you, you do need to have, if you're getting advice around literally building your portfolio or how to build your portfolio, you should be speaking to in someone who is passionate about specifically just the investment piece alone on its own. And that's why we suggested, and again, this is sure, this is a plug for you, but like full disclosure, I'm a specialist. Like I'm a specialist in lending in particular, how to leverage real estate to do different things and how to save people a whack load of money in the process. You're a specialist in helping people create a plan, a portfolio and a picture that they should move going forward. So it's kind of like, I need the architect, which is you in many ways from a, an investment side, or at least they need to figure out what that is if that's where they want to go. And then from there, I'm going to be the architect of the financial piece of that picture. So yep. again, it's not that mortgage professional can't speak to you about your real estate investing and what they should do. But I think if you're getting too much of that information from someone my, like myself, you're muddying the waters and you need to be speaking to someone who's a professional who's just looking at one element who works with your yep. mortgage professional. They work yep. together. On one last more, one big note on that, we work with a lot of self-employed people too. And a, a big part of that is because we have focused on that day one. They're underserved in the marketplace. They typically don't get support from the banks. And a lot of mortgage professionals don't know how to work with their finances. It's the same thing that we tell them when it comes to their accountants, right? So we can tell you what you should do from an accounting perspective on the lending side, but you should be getting your accounting advice from a very good accountant who understands self-employed individuals who talks to your mortgage broker so you can come up with a plan together. 
And that is so key. And that I think just to kind of circle back, because I know you've got some points on this, is team, right? So the mortgage professional broker is a part of your team. If you're looking to really grow a portfolio, your investment advisor, just like you should have on your financials, if you have liquid assets, stocks, or a portfolio, I mean, I'm a huge proponent. I work with an investment advisor, a financial advisor myself as well. You need to have that team along with a professional real estate agent who understands that picture together, working together, not doing everything for you. Yeah, yeah. The best thing I could chirp in here a little bit here is, so first of all, fantastic. You're just, you absolutely were dropping the bombs there, by the way, my brother. So yes, we've been having some competition of the guests that come on is how many bombs can I get here today? So (laughs) we're up to a couple for sure. So we'll we'll keep tally. Uh, Not that we're competitive or anything, but you'd said something earlier about um, soccer and playing soccer. And think about this for a standpoint. If you're a real estate investor, treat it almost like a soccer team. You need good coaching. You need good trainers. You need that good team and support staff around you to help you do that. I would view a good mortgage professional like a good midfielder, right? Because you've got, you can pass it up to the offense. You can work it back to the defense. You control some of the financing as it kind of moves forward. You need a good striker. You need a goal scorer. You need a good goalkeeper, which is your tax planner, right? So you just each position on the soccer pitch is and, and I'm I'm using the soccer analogy because I've been watching my Ted Lasso lately and and uh, I'm very f- up on my all my soccer isms if you or I should say my football isms if you will so so would that the land resonate with you for as uh, as what you just said there yeah and like just to continue on that it's again this isn't to suggest that multiple parts couldn't advise you on certain areas like I certainly help my clients to make certain decisions and give them some feedback on the investing piece but. Again, the team approach is so important if you want to take this seriously and you really want to grow. And it will impact you from a personal standpoint in your business if you align yourself with the right people immensely. We talked a little bit about my my business earlier and what we do. And one of the things that, one of the challenges in our industry, Russ, is that people try to do things on their own. So like a mortgage broker would try to do everything from start to finish. I think maybe 15 years ago, that could be considered uh, you know, a professional thing to do or acceptable. I've never looked at it that way. I'm not good at everything. If you send me 100 documents and ask me to review every single one of those items, I'll lose my mind. I've got a team of people who are dedicated specifically to getting the information that I need to execute a strong decision so that I can focus on strategizing, which is where my best skills come into play. Not just mine, but my team members and otherwise. So again, if we're just using the analogy of growth, I've been able to leverage incredible people different positions, pay them and help them support their families, which in turn provides a substantially better experience for the clients that we work with on a daily basis. Same thing in my investing portfolio, real estate, etc. I don't do all of these items. I find people who are exceptional. I make the decisions based on the information that they provide me and other information and then execute, which is how you leverage. People get stuck because they try to do and know everything. Yeah, well, many people who follow my channels will know the book reference that I'm talking about is called Who Not How, which is Dan Sullivan, which is probably, you just described it perfectly in there. And um, guys, if you still haven't, if you've been following along my podcast and you still haven't read that, go, that's your first action step, write it down, go read it, and not only read it, implement it into your life, because that's what Alex is just talking about there. Okay, so what changes, you know, you've been in the business for a while now, and you're growing and scaling. What changes do you see in the mortgage industry out there? And, And I use the term, and, you know, pardon the term about things are changing in dog years now. Things that used to take seven years to change are now changing in one. So how's that yeah. for a tie back to the you know the pug, if you will? And what changes are you seeing in the mortgage industry right now? 
Oh, geez. There's a lot of interesting things that I can talk on. I mean, just from a broad perspective, you know, nationally speaking, we've seen the government tamper with uh, lending guidelines every year for the past five years, right? From the first stress test, the second stress test to how mortgage securities, again, I don't know how deep we want to go here, but how mortgages are insured to different programs that are available to, uh, to adding in different types of taxes and fees and foreign buyers and, you know, and the new proposals around CMHC, right? It's never ending. One thing is is really interesting to me is people look at mortgages as from the outside looking in they say oh that's so boring like what do you what do you do what do you do? it's like no no it's an endless problem solving situation and the lenders literally change their guidelines on a quarterly basis if not more like one of the biggest banks in TD sends out brand new packages on a quarterly basis as to what they're going to allow what they're not going to allow and that does impact you as a client that absolutely impacts you because if one lender is doing it typically the other ones have a variation of what that looks like. So looking back, you know, seven years to today, I, I mean, I think a few things really quickly, Russ, uh, you know, just kind of digging way, way back. The free ride is certainly over. Everything needs to be substantially more well-prepared and documented. And that's why I said preparation is so important in the team you're working with, because I'd say, you know, five or six years ago, everybody could just get a fake rental agreement and not saying I recommend that, but they did it. Or, you know, just get a, a appraisal for market values. They didn't have to claim their taxes and it would be acceptable from almost everyone. Again, crazy for someone who's doing this today, who, who's on top of it to think that, but that's what it was six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years ago. There wasn't the same limitation on certain number of doors and all that kind of stuff. Now, what I will say is that this actually has worked out to be a good thing in many ways for investors. They just don't know it yet because it allows you to A, treat your business, your real estate business, because it is a business, as a business properly run your numbers correctly, verify the information, work with professionals. So it actually works out to your benefit in the long run, even if there are different challenges. And you definitely need to spend more time strategizing. Going forward, I'm going on a long run here, but looking yep. forward, what's really interesting to me is they've been talking about the mortgage space being basically eliminated by technology in the next five to 10 years because of what they call uh, fintech, you know, financial technological revolution of what's changing and online websites and resources. Guess what? Unless you're a triple A, 5% down, perfect credit, perfect situation, first time buyer, it doesn't work very well. And in fact, what the stats have shown is that people actually don't follow through the full process. They end up just calling somebody and asking for help in the meantime, because it is a complicated, confusing process where you need to have advice and a computer can't give advice. Yeah, it's more than ever. It's coming back full circle into a people business again. You know, don't get me wrong. There will be 100% self-serve mortgages and get that, which will probably skim the cream off the top. But there will always be a need for the human interaction of people that can just get the job done. Because a lot of this is relationship-based. It truly is. As much as it's algorithms and it's formulas and, and what is Toronto putting out in their packages. And, and I 100% echo what you said is, you know, way back in the day, it used to be as, well, you phone up your person or, or get on their website. So what's the going rate for a mortgage right now? And I bet when you get that, it's like, oh my goodness. Okay. Just as an FYI, that's a 47 minute conversation of me getting information to you before I can even go pull my tables before I can even come close to even quoting you a rate, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because if the wind is blowing from the East today and you have 2.7 children and you have one other mortgage and you have more than 5,000 dollars on this credit card, but you have that credit card free and clear, well, then you can get a mortgage over here and it's a 2.23. 
Yeah, you're a man who understands it. And listen, the consolidation of the industry to having you know fewer lenders and having this information online is great for the consumer. It's less the banks can't get away with nearly as much you know dog and pony show as they used to. They're not going to be able to scrape the money off you the way they used to. They do it in different ways now. You know, prepayment penalties and things of that nature are obviously a big consideration. But ultimately, a lot of the information is readily available. It's the mechanics behind it as to where we need help. Listen, if Bank ABC over here and Bank you know DEF over here have similar terms, the products are going to be very much the same. So at the end of the day, it's what is the advice that you're getting in the strategy? And that's why I suggested, Russ, early in the conversation that when you're working with a mortgage a team or, or a company, you shouldn't want your mortgage broker to be doing everything. What they should be focused on is how are they strategizing with you? Yeah. How, how is that information coming across? Because your bank over here is probably going to offer similar or the same terms. Listen, in many cases, if you just take your approval back to your bank, they'll just match it at the end of the day, but you're not going to get any level of support that goes beyond that. So going forward, Russ, I think you're going to see a lot more people actually want to work with people like you and I, the mortgage broker share in the last three years. And this is interesting, more technology, more information readily available. The mortgage brokers are getting more and more and more of the market share. And we're seeing more banks come to us and say, hey, we'd like to lend through you as opposed to trying to pull back like they were doing back in 2015, 16 and do it on their own because people want good advice. They want someone who can actually take care of them and look through the process, right? Yeah. The information and knowledge is very readily available. The strategy, the plan, and the wisdom is something that you need a professional on your side. And guys, and I can say this, so I'm going to get on my soapbox here for a little bit. I can say this, I'm not in the mortgage broker industry. Guys, if you are you know, working with a mortgage broker and then you take whatever that work that that mortgage broker did and then you go shop it around and you get a even a quarter, half, maybe you get a quarter point difference at the bank directly. And if you go directly to the bank as opposed to the mortgage broker, I'm sorry, this is very harsh of me to say, but you're a fool. You truly are. Because good luck trying to go back to that well again of that mortgage broker that will be able to go to another bank or strategize. Instead of just getting you one mortgage, that mortgage broker could have got you five, six, seven potential mortgages and you cut off that relationship based upon a quarter point. That is not good business, in my personal opinion. So pardon me for a second. I'll get off my soapbox. So... No, no, absolutely fair. I mean, there's got to be some level of value in the conversation. But I think a lot of the value actually, Russ, is is the continued relationship. I can't speak how all brokers run their business. But again, the way that we built our team and our business is continued support. Russ, I called, I think, 40 plus of my own clients and set appointments with another 10 next week that are existing client base in their second year or first year of their term. And we're looking at different ways that we can strategize with these people, things that they're not thinking about. Because even as a real estate investor, like how often are, I mean, some guys might be out there saying, okay, let's go look at our portfolio. But are you really having a conversation with somebody who's actually in the mindset where they want to find an opportunity to help you? Because I trust me, your banker doesn't give a crap what you do for the next five years. They'll send you a piece of, or a letter at the end of five years and say, hey, resign. And it's not even going to be fair terms. It's going to be whatever it is they want to offer you. And then you're going to have to negotiate and haggle. Why bother with that game? Here's what I'll say. For those that want you know, the cheapest, you're going to get what you pay for and when it comes down to it. The interesting thing about that is, to be quite frank with you on that point, typically you actually don't pay more with a mortgage broker. It's just that those odd situations, as you mentioned, it's usually actually less because you don't have to haggle and you do get the best terms and you actually get a product that makes more sense. Why should I go to bank of Nova Scotia over here, even though I'm paying a quarter point more than CIBC over here? And what difference does that make to me? 
uh, in the long run? That's the questions that you need to be asking. Those are the questions that your broker should be answering for you so you have a clear path moving forward. Yeah, yeah. And I've used the term many times. It's Sometimes it's not the cost of the capital, it's the access to the capital, which is more important. And yeah. I would all day long be willing to pay potentially a little more, pay even a lender fee, pay even some fees on it, if I can get access to it. Like, I don't have to pay the rock bottom rate if it paints me into a corner, right? Run your real estate business like a business. Yeah. And running a business, I promise you, I do not look for the cheapest people. I look for the people that care and are going to do a good job. Yep. And, you know, some people say, how do I know if I have a good mortgage broker? Are they getting you mortgages? Yes, you got a good mortgage broker. <laughs> are you getting financing? Yeah. <laughs> yeah are you getting the financing? Yes. Well, then keep them. Keep going. Take good care of them. What have you done to send them over a gift of a thank you note? Or have you referred another client to them? The best way to pay back your mortgage broker, if they've gone to the wall for you, is to send them a good client right? That's the best way I always say is, you know, when you send good clients over to people, they will reciprocate by wanting to do more business and help you going forward. So sure. speaking of, you know, one of my favorite movies is Jerry Maguire in there. And it's, it's the old, uh, when Cuba Gooding Jr. character was in there is help me, help you, help me, help you. Right? <laughs> Hey everyone, sure hope you're enjoying today's episode. Just wanted to take a quick pause in today's show to share with you a real estate investing and financing tip that has helped many investors scale up their portfolio. Data-driven decisions and having a roadmap are two of the most important fundamentals for real estate investing success. When it comes to financing income properties, it is critical to take a strategic approach versus a traditional transactional approach to financing. A transactional approach is when your lender or broker just speaks to you about the deal at hand versus sitting down and helping you with your plans of financing and putting a roadmap together for your next properties. Do you have the critical answers to start, grow, and scale your portfolios? Answers to some key questions such as, where will the money come from to keep acquiring your properties? How do you structure your deal strategically while not painting yourself into a corner with future financing? And how to proactively manage your borrowing power? These are just a few of the key questions you need answers. If you're looking to grow your portfolio and you're looking to structure your financing strategically, I suggest you speak with one of the team members at Streetwise Mortgages. They have helped thousands of investors scale up their portfolios and also get into the game of real estate investing. The financing roadmap is complimentary for every client who works with Streetwise Mortgages. Best of all, on top of the financing roadmap, you'll receive a summary report on the top 18 Ontario markets. Plus, you'll receive a comprehensive deep dive research report on the market of your choice of the top 18. I'm currently looking at one of these reports right now and they are comprehensive and deep data-driven decision materials for you to make the right decision. I highly recommend you take a look at this if you are interested in starting, growing, and scaling your real estate investing portfolio. To book a planning session and develop your financing roadmap, email info at streetwisemortgages.com. That's info at streetwisemortgages.com. There will also be a link in the show notes below. Now back to the show. How can we as real estate investors help you as the mortgage professional so you can do your job and get us more money? Yeah, I'd say there's a few things. Uh, straight away, records. Number one, 
keep all records as best as you can. So one of my suggestions for every client is to start up, if you're, if you're using Dropbox or Google Drive or whatever it is, start up a, a folder in there and you can name it whatever you want to name it. I usually have a folder for every single address or every property that I currently carry. I have a separate folder for my company, right? So my separate companies and then a few other ones for miscellaneous items and so forth. Oh. Number one, <laughs> I love it. Here we go. Get Sorry, wrong, wrong button. I'm hitting the wrong button. That's the one I wanted to hit. <laughs> hey, keep those records, man. It's so boring, but like the most important thing, man, is make sure to keep those records, keep the drive, keep that sorted out. It makes a huge difference. You know, that's the biggest thing to start off. But number two, be transparent and be open. Don't try to hide something from us because at the end of the day, we're going to find out eventually from asking or looking at your documents. So if you give us the straight goods and let us know right away what the problems we're facing are, then we know what to attack. I've had way too many people reach out. They don't tell us the story. We get into it. And, you know, and two weeks later, we find out after ripping through the documents oh what you just got laid off or or something and they, they did decline to tell us that or they just bought a you know another car or i don't know there's a whole bunch of different things but at the end of the day tell us everything the more you tell us the better we're the ones who are trying to help you build the plan so we can present the best story so you can get financing from x lender right so start off there the third thing here is be open to different options we talked about different costs and expenses and fees and so forth there's lending products that are out there that you would never typically get from someone who isn't creative. And sometimes, again, as Russ mentioned, there are some fees associated with it, but know the numbers and make sure they make sense for your situation. Let's, I mean, what if there was a situation where you only need the funds for three to six months and we might maybe recommend a, a private lender or a private institution? Well, the first thing people say straight away is, well, the rates are so high or the fees are so high. But if you break it down in many circumstances, hey, you can get access to the capital because you're only holding it for three months. There's no prepayment penalty at the end of it, obviously, which has to be part of the consideration. Easier to get the money, your debt servicing isn't a factor. And at the end of the day, you're able to profit XYZ because you're able to sell it. Now, I know obviously that's not a specific example, Russ, but what I'm trying to suggest is that you need to be understanding that there are different types of examples and not just to look at the rate as a consideration. You need to look at the total cost, which is everything, the carrying time, the carrying cost, especially if people are doing rental flips, these types of things. The timeline is extremely important of which you're carrying it. So be open to different types of solutions is so massive. Beyond that, I think the biggest thing is have a conversation. Let us know what's important to you. What is your plan? What are you trying to do? Get clear. That's why you're talking to a Russ. Because if I have no understanding as to what you're trying to buy, why you're trying to buy it, and how long you want to have it, then it's very difficult for me to prepare a scenario for you to go do this, right? We can talk about it. We can help you. We can put you in a direction. But create that plan. Like you talked about with me in our earlier conversation, Russ, you said, what, what was one of the first things is how much do you want to earn by when? Okay, now let's reverse engineer. That is so important. If you have no idea what that is, then all of this is going to be just a big old question mark, right? No, absolutely. So, wow, you said an awful lot there. So absolutely, there's... A... <laughs> Okay, so I, I had to do that because I have to try to bookend this. So so really, how can we best help you is we can help you with full disclosure. We can help you with being organized and being prepared. We can help you with, if we don't have a plan, work with you to get a plan and yes. then execute against the plan and have, and the last one is be open to pivot if something needs to go and don't just be rigid because you heard the other investor just got a mortgage at 
1.9%. And why can't I get a 1.29% mortgage? And you're just open to different opportunities and, and it, op- open to options. I mean, as a, I don't know if there's a great analogy per se, but financing to me is almost like, it's almost as deep as like your medical history, man. Like uh, just because that doctor over there said you should take, you know, this drug or do this procedure or this thing, your situation is nowhere near going to be relevant. And Dr. Google is not the place you should be looking for that. And I know that might sound corny, but legitimately, that is exactly the way that we have to consider when it comes to your financing, man. Like your assets aren't identical. Your job isn't identical. Your past history isn't identical. Your properties aren't performing exactly the same. You're not going to be exactly the same as Bob across the street just because he got X rate or terms. That doesn't mean you can't get it. But that means your expectations should be in line with what your strategy and your goals are. And I think, yeah, that's that's huge, man. Like yep. that's huge. expectations being set. Interestingly enough, I know we're talking about the doctor thing, but I work with a lot of clients who are actually doctors. And that's one of the biggest challenges that we have is that Dr. Bob is in a group chat with Dr. Jane over here, and they say, Hey, I got this, I should get this. And they get all frustrated when the same person can't get the exact same thing because they're both doctors. <laughs> it's like, no, your situation is unique to you and you need to treat it as such. So I don't know, it's kind of a corny example, but it happens all the time. No, absolutely. And and I'm gonna put an O on that and make sure you work with somebody who does hundreds of these transactions, not somebody who's doing ones and twos and threes, or your your brother-in-law just got their mortgage license and now you're trying to take your portfolio of five properties over to your brother-in-law and they're going, uh, uh I, what am I supposed to do with all this, right? Deal with people that have dealt with this. Okay, so the average mortgage professional in Canada, so I can't speak to bankers because I have no idea what the stats are on the average banker or what do they call the terminology in, in the branches, but the average mortgage broker in Canada is doing less than $2.5 million of lending volume annually. That works out to basically seven to 10 transactions. That's average. Okay. So the medium could be closer to 10 million maybe. And actually, believe it or not, that is not the median. That is above the median. But if you look at it from that perspective, that's someone doing 20 transactions a year. Okay. My team, which is three advisors, which each of us serves clients, you know, we've helped over 700 families this year alone, which means each of us has helped over 200 people and had a chance to see that just this year in September, as of August 31st, actually, just in case you're wondering of uh, 2021. And I think the key to all that is we see so much. So when shit goes sideways, when things aren't working out, it's like, okay, I know what to look for here. Or, hey, no, that lender's no longer doing that. We've seen this lender over here. We've lent with over 60 lenders this year, Russ. In-channel, out-of-channel, private, sub-private, prime, you name it, all these different institutions. And someone said to me the other day, and they said, how do you know all these different things? How do you know about the fact that, you know, Cumberland is an up-and-coming town for commercial property? And how do you know that, you know, this lender or this bank is no longer offering those terms? I just found out. And these are in-industry people. And I say the reality is because I do this all day long. I'm a freaking geek. We give a crap. And I'm just, yeah. I shouldn't even say I because my whole team is a bunch of nerds that just cares about continuing to learn more and how we can help people. Yeah, it truly is a pendulum. And and usually one of the questions I always like to ask is who's lending now? Like who is the lender du jour? Yeah. But but honestly, you know, and I can I'm gonna ask you that question anyway. Yeah. Now we're gonna date this. It is late yes. season 2021 because yeah. the pendulum swings back and forth, and we're just gonna preface it. But just understand, guys, whatever we're saying right now, things do change. And honest to goodness, banks typically when they lose appetite to work with investors sometimes. And then sometimes when they have more capital, they have more appetite. So it's just a truly a pendulum. So who's investor friendly in your world right now, Alex? 
Well, let's, let's, let's touch on that really quickly, the appetite piece. A lot of people think that, hey, every bank's going to lend me money because I have 20% down on this property. Banks and lenders do not want your rental properties. They don't want it. They want your AAA owner-occupied homes because you'll never default on it. Um, there's a whole bunch of other reasons behind it beyond that. But they actually don't want your real estate investment, believe it or not. That's not their primary interest. That's not their primary goal. Um, okay. Who's lending right now? I mean, we know the big names in the channel and thankfully they've continued to be maintained, which are Scotiabank. We all know that. Um, there are some lenders that are offering some new unique things that are coming, uh, back out with some different products and solutions. Like TD bank, for example, has been very limited in the last couple of years because they put some restrictions on their line of credit and debt servicing. Well, they've only, they've just recently announced they're coming out with some new products, which are going to be both homeowner and investor friendly in the end of, I think November is when we're expecting that. So that should be interesting. Uh, HSBC has been not necessarily investor friendly for a long time, but they're slowly trying to work in some guidelines. So we're going to see that come in. There have been rumors, so we're talking about up and coming. <laughs> we're just giving you guys the inside scoop here. National Bank is looking to make their way back in the fold. But where are people going right now? I mean, your conventional banks and institutions like Scotiabank, a lot of alternative financing right now, Russ. You know, when you can get an alternative mortgage with an alt lender that'll allow you to go up to 60 or 70% debt ratio when compared to a traditional bank at 44%, you could borrow a lot more money at rates of 2.5% to 3% for a B lender, which is crazy. So we've got about four or five on the plate there that are, are leveraging to do uh, alt lending. Um, we are seeing some clients start to get a little more creative in the small business and back channels through commercial lending. Um, that's probably maybe a conversation for another day, Russ, because that's a that's a deep one, and we could go down a, a rabbit's nest there. But I guess what I'm trying to suggest to you is a kind of off the initial cuff of that question. I'm like, well, a lot of people are lending right now. It just comes down to what is it you're trying to do, and and where are we going in the future? And the other thing is, you dated this, thankfully, but there's always changes going on. Like I just mentioned, like hey, TD might be coming back a little bit, whereas they've kind of stepped back for a little while, right? Yeah. Uh, National Bank has been out of the broker channel for the better part of two years. Well, they're coming back. There's rumors that BMO's coming back. You know what I mean? So uh, we're going to see a lot of interesting thing come down the pipe. But the good old trusty Scotia Bank is still one of our top, uh, as far as the conventional banks are concerned. Great product, good turnaround times, um, and they've become a lot more friendly again since. Uh, that whole COVID yeah. kind of slowdown occurred. They're kind of back in the fold, so to speak. Well, think about this for a second, truly, is, um, okay, so us as real estate investors, and say you have, as a real estate investor, you have a fantastic year and you buy, I'm going to make a number, let's say you buy 40 properties or more, right? And that's a fantastic year. Yeah, and maybe you analyze 100 places, okay? How are you going to keep up with, as the real estate investor, with all the changing in the lenders and all the different policies and things like that? Why not work with somebody who has done over 750, helped 750 families that deals with more than 60 lenders over the time? And that's your job is to figure out to be on top of all these changes that happen because that's why we have smart people like Alex on our team to go have this conversation about who's lending now, right? Right. Yeah. And honestly, when I started getting down that rabbit's nest right there, uh, Russ, I started realizing, holy cow, there are a lot of different lenders who are lending right now. It's, it's just going to depend on what we're trying to lend for and what the situation is. There's there's tons of great options out there, Russ. It's just in areas like you mentioned that you would never guess. And I couldn't even like if I wasn't on top of this so frequently and doing so many of these transactions, I would probably blow my mind out trying to figure it out if I was just walking to the fold. So yes, you probably want to talk to somebody who's doing this all day. Yeah, absolutely. Quick question before we transition into a different topic here, fixed versus variable, where do you kind of sit on those? 
Yeah, I mean, okay, so here's the thing. Let's look at statistics. The average, not even real estate inve- uh, investor, but the average consumer breaks their mortgage at 38 months. So when we look at the cost of borrowing right now, actually, I'll have to preface because this is all date-based, right? So week by week, it's been changing a lot. We saw the bond yields increase recently, which means fixed rates have bumped back up a little bit. So I'll preface by saying that. Variable is the way we're going right now, 100%, not even a question mark. There's just no question. With the appreciation that we continue to see in the marketplace, guess what, Russ? Our, our, our investors are pulling equity out of their homes, refinancing year over year over year to continue to access this low cost capital to leverage to buy more, 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 more pieces of real estate. Why would you put yourself into a fixed rate mortgage where you're going to be paying an IRD penalty? And for those who don't know what that is, you can average an IRD penalty for a fixed rate mortgage at four to 6% of your balance of your loan. So if you're borrowing $400,000, do the math on that, sixteen dollars to $24,000. I don't tell people to do things that I wouldn't do either. I've got all of my mortgages in very rate loans, right? The rates can vary depending on your circumstance. But generally speaking right now, the spread, which is the difference between the variable rate today versus your comparable fixed rate is between 0.75 to 1%. Now let's get a little bit more geeky. If we were to say over the next five years, because again, you know, if we looked at the three quarter percent spread as an example, over the next five years, if rates run up a quarter point, every 12 months. So at 12 months, went up a quarter point, which is possible, very likely, in fact. And then another quarter point, another quarter point, another quarter point. You're almost guaranteed, unless it accelerated much faster, you're guaranteed to come out in the black. You're still coming out in the black over the year term with the difference between the lower payments and, of course, the reduced interest cost, even if it went up four times. Not to mention, if you break the term early, guess what? You only owe the bank three months of interest and then you're out to another lender, just like that. Between you and I, not alone. It's getting hot in here, brother. (laughs) Yeah, it's just like, again, and the thing about it is that's, that's not an opinion. That's a fact. Absolutely. And, you know, I know the stats may have changed, but the last time I seen it, I think the numbers were almost 96% of the time a variable outperformed a fixed rate, 96% of the time. There was only very minor times when they were in there. But the main thing is just having that flexibility if you want to end it early, sell it, refinance it, payout penalties alone would make is just the, the one reason to go that route anyways. Honestly, that's one of the biggest things we tell everyone is like, most people don't make it to end a term, Russ. Most people don't make it to end a term. And especially the investment clients we work with, they almost always are trying to tap into the equity. Okay, how do I take this money and move it over here and take this money? And sure, you can get a HELOC, but a lot of times you need to re-amortize a loan to help someone qualify. And if you don't know what that means, if you're listening to this, basically, if you have 25 years remaining, you have a certain payment required. A lot of times that we can extend that back to 30 years which will reduce the required payment and take out money at the same time, right? As an example, in many circumstances, you could take out seventy-five dollars to $100,000, extend the amortization, your payments would stay the same. Yep. The same. So your cash works out the same on the property. You're still cash flowing or you're still doing well depending on your, your perform on your, your unit that you're looking at there. But you've just accessed seventy-five dollars to $100,000 of 2% money, right? Yep. To go buy yes. another one. Absolute brilliant strategy. I use it all the time to tell people is to reset to original amortization when you do do a refi. If you can, if you don't have to requalify and all those kind of things, potentially, it's a brilliant strategy. The other thing, too, is if you're having anxiety about a payment shock of variable going up, here's some advice I give to people as well, is get quoted a fixed rate payment and get quoted the variable rate. Take 
the variable rate because it's a lower number and that's what you're contracted to pay. When you submit your application to the bank the next time, the thing you have to put on your spreadsheet is the contracted number to pay. So it'll help your debt service ratios if you ever have to do it again. But if you're losing sleep, why don't you maybe then set your payment voluntarily at the fixed rate number and then make the difference payment once a year because you do get a 20% prepayment option on most mortgages. So if you have a payment shock anxiety, get the what it would cost uh, payment for the fixed, set it at the variable, make a voluntary payment once a year, every six months or whatever, but you keep the payment low on your spreadsheet then you apply for your next mortgage, your ratios look stronger and you can sleep at night. Yep. Absolutely. We call that inflation hedge strategy. So yep. you're guaranteeing against inflation increase and any other payments, as you mentioned, in case prime does increase, you're protecting yourself. There's a few other key strategies you can use in a similar oak, but that's one of my faves, right? You wouldn't yep. even notice a difference. So you're basically taking the fixed rate without taking the fixed rate. Love it. Yep. Yeah, and make, the key is that you voluntarily uh, make it, not contracted to make it. Because if you're yeah. contracted to make it, that's the number you have to put on your debt service ratios for, for right. any future financing. Yeah, the biggest thing that I hear people say is like, hey, I don't want to take 30 years to pay this thing off. Well, you don't have to take 30 years to pay it off. That's your prerogative. You can use the prepayment privileges like you just mentioned, increasing the payment. You can put more lump sums down. There's all sorts of different things you can do. It's purely from a qualification perspective that we're looking to do this, as you mentioned. Yep, absolutely. Okay, so we're going to transition here. I want to transition into conversation that maybe not a lot of people have, but uh, you do a very good job on your social media. And, you know, I'm a fan. I I give props where props are due. And you guys do a really good job on the branding, the colors, things. Was that by just kind of over time, you just kind of evolved it? Or did you bring somebody in and paid somebody to give you some consulting? How did you kind of work your social media and your branding out there, Alex? (laughs) Good question. So, I mean, we committed when we started Thrive back in 2019 that we wanted to be considered the best in the space. And uh, one of the things that we had to do is we wanted to get on the ground level and we wanted to connect with people one-on-one, which is what you can do through social media. So, I mean, I'm a big fan of engaging with people, which is why I love to use Instagram, which is my platform of choice for the better part of the last five years. So I guess to answer your question, I mean, we didn't pay anyone or consult anyone to figure this all out. That was us just learning and figuring out as we go. We do have a full-time media team member. His name is Paul. He's more of like a a videographer. Uh, He does a little bit of everything for us. He just helps us, as we mentioned, having a team. He helps us to work on our vision. We come up with the ideas and the strategies and he just implements it for us. So I guess to answer your question there, Russ, I mean, at the end of the day, I think we've seen a little bit more uptake in the past year on the lending space, especially in the online, but we've been doing it for three, four or five years. So it's just become something where people know us. Again, doing our own podcast and having something where we're, all, we're almost at 100 episodes on, on a weekly basis as well. And, and this sort of thing, it's, yeah, it's passion, man. I don't know. I, I, other than just learning and figuring out, we're definitely not pro Instagrammers. We're definitely not pro Facebookers. We just use it a lot and make sure to get good, valuable information to people consistently so they can rely on us and connect with them. Yeah, like I just pulled up on the screen here for so anyone who's watching this, you'll get the visuals of it. Like I said, you you guys do a fantastic job with on point with the colors, the branding, the videos, everything, you know, your YouTube channel is on point with all of that, your Instagram which I pulled up earlier. It's just well done and I just wanted to just give you guys some props for that. But here's the thing is, it's a commitment. 
is it not, to keep it going, to keep it fresh, to keep it doing. How do you schedule this into your day? Because honest to goodness, Alex, I'm on Instagram quite a bit, and I'm trying to build mine out, and I'm sitting there going, she's Alex is there all the time. And I was going, man, you just, you've got game when it comes to Instagram. I don't know, man. I don't know. There are many days where I get through like six hours straight and I I don't really try to, I haven't even touched the thing because I'm just so nonstop. I mean, I think ultimately businesses now have to look at content as part of who they are. So building a personal brand and strategy. I believe that me owning my personal brand, my company having our own brand and a feeling and an emotion and being connected is important because we're speaking to an audience that wants to find us on a day-to-day basis and educating them about the things that is passionate or important to us. We can't fake that shit, man. If you're on Instagram stories and I'm posting facts all day long, it's because someone's asking me a question, which means that someone else is probably wondering that question. So that's just my approach to it is I just make it intentional, try to be where people are. And I don't know, there's not really a whole lot more to it as far as scheduling out the video content and the more formal, you know, kind of creating videos and content that we do for YouTube and podcasts. It's a commitment. My partners and I meet every single week where we know we're filming a podcast right now, you and I, but we're, we're filming it, you know, tomorrow morning at 8am, making sure that we have content for the week ahead, doing the research planning and, and putting it together. Let's just put it this way. Our mortgage brokering is our quote unquote nine to five. Everything else is a passion project that we just continue to work on throughout the day. I guess probably it's the best I could tell you. I wish there was more to it than that, man. It's just a consistency of making sure that we're talking to people. The one thing I will tell you though, uh, sorry to, to, I I do these breaks and then I stop talking. No, please, please. One thing I will tell you is social media can be good or bad. It can be an absolute mental nightmare or an emotional battle. I've dealt with personal anxiety that I've shared openly on my platform. And I'm happy to talk about it on this podcast. That's been crippling in the past, but you know, I find that when you're more vulnerable and I shared those things and I went through a, you know, a health emergency earlier this year and shared, not a lot of it. And I didn't, didn't want any sympathy, but you know, you start to realize that there's a lot of people out there who are also facing similar challenges, battles, feedback, whether it's for mortgages or health or life or whatever. And so I think the biggest thing that keeps drawing me back, Russell, is the, the good people, the good connections and the engagements. That is the coolest thing about it. And that's drawing back. The issues come up when you start looking at whatever you, other videos somebody else makes or everything and you try to catch up or keep up to it. That's where the stress comes in. Yeah. Yeah. And I use a term and and I'm not by all means perfect at this, but um, you need to be creating, not consuming, because that's when it starts getting to become a problem. If you actually like anything, like anything in life, if you even golf, for example, you need to sit there. If you're just all day long, just focused on it and that's what you're doing and things like that, it can become a problem in some respects. So you need to get on there, consume, put it in its bucket, put it in its time frame, put it aside and take breaks. Like honest to goodness, there was a time a little while ago, I was just hating social media. It was just one of those things. It was just like, oh, the grind of it. And I wasn't enjoying it. And then I had to get back to that. I needed to create more. It's a creative outlet to share a message to a larger audience and to connect with the people that want to connect with you is really what what it is. is. It's all about engaging and being yourself, being authentic, because again, those pretty pictures and quotes and whatever, I mean, at the end of the day, often don't really connect with people. It's the real conversations that you start having behind the scenes that are impactful to you, right? That's huge. And Uh, the other thing, oh, sorry, I didn't mean to finish. Oh, I was just going to say, I was going to piggyback on that point about what you said about creating versus consuming it's the exact same thing in your real estate investment journey right so you can consume podcasts forever you got to start doing it man get out there and start action yeah now when as you were talking about it i it came to mind was you know i think when sometimes when it comes to social media 
in some cases, some people over, are overthinking it. And I'm when I say some people, I'm looking at myself as I'm overthinking it. And sometimes you just have to do it. It's like you put an hour in your calendar. And what you're doing is you're going on there to connect with the people, to respond, to make your one or two posts, and then put it aside, right? And you just need to just, it's something you just, it just do, you don't think about it. No different than if you're going to work out at the gym, right? For example, if you actually sat down and, okay, well, I need to get my bag and where I got to get my shoes, I got to get all this, where's my water ball? And if you just pranked, if you thought about all the things you have to do, you would probably just not do it as opposed to just, I'm going to the gym to work out, just do it, right? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. So it's good for business, I would imagine. I imagine that's why you do it, is A, you enjoy it, but it's also probably good for business, I would imagine. No question, no question. So, you know, I find that we connect with, I mean, I'd say probably maybe 20% of my followers are mortgage brokers, right? So I've got a, a lot of the community that follows me and looks, I don't know if they look up to me, but they do look at a lot of the stuff that I'm posting to get inspiration for what they're hoping to do. We've got, I'd say probably another 20% that's real estate agents with the remainder being, you know, clients or people who are potentially looking to invest or learn more about real estate or learn more about mortgages. So definitely we meet a lot of people through there, which is fun. I invite people to follow me on, if you want to follow my personal one, you get a lot of pugs and some mixed up stuff. That's the mortgage hug. If you're looking for a lot of just consistent mortgage and real estate content, I think you should follow both. The other one is at Thrive Mortgage Co. on Instagram. And those those two channels, I think you'll get a you'll get so much mortgage stuff you'll never know what to do with it. But <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. No, I strongly encourage I follow along with everything you guys are doing. And I you know what? I've been in here, here's the thing. I've been in the trenches in this business for 20 plus years. And when Alex posts something out there, I sit there and go, yeah great way of presenting it, great way of putting it there. And I hadn't thought about that for a long time. And, and most of the stuff you put out, it isn't fluff. You are one of the best I've seen at short, concise sound bites and to the point. You speak in 15-second intervals, don't you? Yes, the stories have shaped my communication platform. Exactly. Yes. That's hey, honey, how are you doing? We got to go for lunch. We're going to go for lunch. Let's go, to, let's, go to, let's go get a burrito. Okay, that's 15 seconds, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, oh boy I, yeah. I hope that's not always sad to her but and, uh, and and you have to do it while holding something in front of you too right <laughs> i do want a burrito now though i do want exactly a burrito. yes let's, yeah let's let's head over to chipotle right yeah i'm thinking of a little chipotle so <laughs> all right well alex Thank you very much for taking the time to uh, be on today's podcast. And I always end off my episodes with a little bit of an inspiration here with you, Will. So, but before, so here's the question I'm going to ask you if you need a little bit of time to think about it is if somebody was feeling a little bit stuck and maybe they just needed some, you know, a kick in the right direction, a little bit of good surefire inspiration to keep moving forward, what would you offer them? So that's what I'm going to, that's the question I'm going to come in with. But before we get to that, I just wanted to just thank you. Thank you for coming on today. Thank you for showing up. Thank you for coming from an education standpoint. And thank you for providing a wonderful service for the community of homeowners and real estate investors that are looking for some financing. So you're doing a hell of a job. I'm a big fan and keep going is what I want to say for you. Well, thank you, sir. You're making yeah. me uh, blush as much as I can on camera here. Yeah. And for those listening, <laughs> not very so much. What would be some final inspiration you would leave somebody if they're feeling a little bit stuck? Man, you know what? Uh, first and foremost, let's just reference back to what we just talked about a couple seconds ago on social media. The biggest challenge that happens to most people is they sit down, they get frustrated because they're comparing themselves against where other people are. 
don't start by trying to be where someone is that started 15 years ago, right? Like you see Russ that's got 150 doors or, you know, one of his clients. I wish. <laughs> like, but that's the biggest challenge I see. Put yourself in your day one. You are in day one. All you have to do is put one foot in front of another and start to make decisions. There's a few things that I'd, you know, I'd suggest that people consider to do immediately. Number one, dream big right? Set that goal. Like we talked about right away, understand where you are right now, but do have a, have a goal for where you want to be. Number two, don't compare yourself to anybody else's damn, you know, day 365 or day 720. You are day one. That's okay. And there's nothing wrong with that. Same reason we hop on Instagram and we get stressed out when we see somebody who's got all these followers or engagement or situation. Listen, at the end of the day, they all had to start in day one. You just didn't see that struggle. Investing in real estate is exactly the same way. Buying your first home is the exact same way. You got to figure out where you are right now and where you want to go. And don't feel bad about it. You're going to trip. You're going to fall. You're going to bail. It's going to happen continuously. I do it every single day, but it's not about the bills. It's about the learning process, which sounds corny. You know, to be honest with you, Russ, it sounds so corny, but it's so true. It's so freaking true. It's just, it's harder than it looks, but it's a hell of a lot more fun when you're doing it. Yep. So, you know, again, oh, the fire's <laughs> coming already. Sorry. Whoa, whoa. Hang on. Oh, of course. No, 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 no. Just, just listen. Enjoy your day one. Enjoy your day two. Enjoy your day 21. Wherever you're at at that darn time, you're going to have some steps back. Just keep pushing, guys. Yeah. Wow. You know, and I can't say it any better myself. Every master was once first a disaster in many respects, but they stuck with the process. Wow. There you go. Thank awesome, you, Alex. Man. That was fantastic. Uh, thoroughly enjoyed our time here today. And uh, I also noticed you were putting together some education programs, some getting started programs, some how to strategically position your home finance or home mortgages, yeah. things like that. What's, uh, do you have any some details for people? Yeah. You know what? The first thing I'd say is, again, follow me on my channels at The Mortgage Pug, at Thrive Mortgage Code. Check us out on there. You know, as uh, again, we haven't been able to do the physical in-person classes or training or anything of that nature for the better part of a year and a half with COVID, but we're finally able to get green light small groups together. If you're in the lower mainline of British Columbia, check us out, follow us on. We're going to be doing, uh, I'd say about four to five workshops over the next four months of really combination of, you know, five key steps to, to building that journey and where that needs to start, as well as tapping into your home equity. Those are going to be the two different topics we're going to start with and focus on. And we'll be doing, a, again, as I mentioned, we have two classes coming up in early October. So literally one next week and one two weeks later, we plan on doing another one in November and December, and we'll continue that journey as things move forward. So check us out on there, or as always, uh, Russ, uh, the podcast where we're giving you guys tons of, tons of great information and value. Yeah. About one more time, the podcast uh, handle or where do they find it? Just find it everywhere. Yes, this is a fun one at the YVRYVR Remo Show. That's Vancouver, a uh, real estate and mortgage show. YVR Remo Show is where we're at. Go to our website, thrivemortgage.ca. There's a link that says podcast. Click on that bad boy. You'll find on right there. Again, search us up on Instagram. You'll find us on all platforms. So you can't miss us. We're everywhere, everywhere, Russ. Well, isn't that the name of the game, right? That's what we're supposed to do, right? And if you ever need any support or any help with any of those programs, by all means, you know where to get a hold of me. If ever, I'd like to help you out with that, with your cause. Let's put it this way. The more we can help educate the community of real estate investors, the better it is for all of us, because I will be a champion for anybody who wants to better their financial future all day long. And I've got time for people that want to invest in themselves all day long. Right on. Love it. Thanks for having me, Russ. You're yep. doing a huge service for all the people in the community. And uh, again, we'd love some feedback too. If you guys want to yep. reach out, let me know what you thought of the episode. Let me know. All right. Well, thanks, Alex. Have yourself a wonderful day. And let's get back to the rest of our day now here, my brother. <laughs>
Thank you, sir. Hey, 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 everybody. I sure hope you enjoyed today's episode. What were some of your key takeaways? What were some of the insights you garnered from this conversation with Alex? Did you pay particular attention to the conversation around fixed versus variable? Is it going to change the context and change the direction on what you're doing? Maybe you're refinancing a property. Maybe the reset to original amortizations to up your cash flow, change that. Maybe setting the payment at a fixed payment as opposed to the variable payment to help uh, pay it down a little bit quicker, but make sure it's a voluntary payment that you're not contracted to make that payment. What was the key things that you took from this podcast episode. Maybe it was what you took from the very, very beginning. And maybe you picked up the new book by Mel Robbins, The High Five Habit, and you've devoured into it and you've already started that book. Maybe you are full on implementation of learning a brand new habit. Okay, gang. So I sure hope you enjoyed this conversation. This was one of those ones where we dove headfirst into a lot more of the real estate tactics, a lot more conversation, a lot more interviews, a lot more detailed conversation, a lot more detailed podcast episodes to follow. Just as a quick snippet for everybody, one of the things we're doing is I'm also going to be sharing with you one of my coaching clients who does self-storage. So he's going to be on the podcast upcoming. And if apartment building's your bag, if you like getting into the apartment building world, we have a wonderful story from 80,000 to 80 million. Thomas Byer is going to be sharing a four-part interview series here upcoming with everybody, plus even more detailed conversation around personal development, real estate tactics. And I want you to pay attention to the next episode that will drop from here. It's going to be a little bit of a departure from the normal episodes that I've been delivering. And I'm a little nervous about it, to be honest. I was a little nervous to create it. I was a little nervous to deliver it. I had the sweaty pits and I was uh, had sweaty palms and I was a little bit nervous to share that one with you. And that's coming next week. I'm not going to tell you what it is. I want you to make sure you subscribe and make sure you are on there for the instant notification. And if you're on the Apple podcast player, right, I think at the top, I think you have to hit the top right hand corner. If you hit the little checkbox, a little check mark, it says automatic download. I think you have to click that in order to get the automatic downloads. Okay, gang. So I sure hope you enjoyed today's conversation all about financing, all about mortgages, all about helping you move forward with velocity, getting more capital for your business. Okay, gang. Remember, in every interaction you have with another person, always, always, always leave them feeling inspired, encouraged, and always come from a place of love. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to the Russell Westcott Podcast. Before you run off, could you do us one final favor? Wherever you're listening to this episode, we encourage you to leave a review, share with your friends, and subscribe so you can receive the latest episode to keep you feeling inspired and encouraged for the entire week. Visit www.russellwestcott.com for more information, support resources, and upcoming speaking engagements near you. Bye for now.